Welcome guests. Tonight is the first So Bad It's Good award ceremony or SBIG award ceremony for short. Uh, we're celebrating the finest moments across all the awful films we've talked about so far. Uh, we like to think that even when we've been cruel, it's cut with respect. Uh, and that's what this episode's about. In this episode, uh, we'll be doling out awards for all of our favourite performances, uh, the weirdest and wittiest scripts. Even uh, we've got a, a Lifetime Achievement Award to mm -hmm. present, which is quite good. Uh, and we've even got Meta Awards because we'll be dishing out um, similar categories to our favourite moments from our Casting Couch filmography over mm -hmm. the past few episodes. So, yeah, that should be good. Really exciting. Uh, I guess usually if you're a, a faithful listener, you'll know that we open the show with a little one-liner about something, a little reference to cinema or, or the films that we talk about. Uh, and given that this is our last episode, um, we wanted to give you a bit of an insight of how that usually comes about. Uh, usually you only see the polished product at the end, uh, but there's a lot more that goes into it. Uh, so I, I think Ashley and I have been secretly writing our, our one-liners um, from our side. Uh, and I'm going to just, I'm going to kick off with, uh, with one of mine. Hello and welcome to So Bad It's Good, the podcast that Tommy Rousseau once referred to as The Room Without the Budget or the Quality Acting. <laughs> the, yeah, very good. So, because this, what I like about this is that I guess this is, you know, the bit where we expose ourselves in a way we get all the mechanics out of the way. Because uh, this is the bit where we tend to like fluff, we get into a rhythm after a bit, but it takes us like a good 10 minutes at least to get to that point. So this is, um, okay, how about, um, hello and welcome to So Bad It's Good, and I probably don't need to say that now, uh, the podcast that comes with insults. Uh, so try this one when you're out. Hey, jackass, Hannibal Lecter has more friends on his plate than you do in real life. <laughs> That was, that was, yeah, I mean, so try I like it. On the I like playground. it. That's, that could... I, uh, this, this one's, uh, this one I thought was quite fun. Uh, this is so bad, it's good. The podcast that has its own Animal House ending. Uh, do you know, for example, <laughs> that Ash goes on to be Prime Minister while Max realises he's a long-lost member of the royal family and uh, is next in line for the throne? <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna do something like that with our freeze frames because we've got like a little collection now of our little uh, print yeah. screenshots. So I, yeah, I think I'm. I'm gonna do that. You know, sort of. Ashley goes on to finance. Uh, oh no, Ashley goes on to be director, writer, producer of Tits and Volcanoes. Max loses millions financing the project. <laughs> And makes it all back with the quartz protocol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, hello and welcome to So Bad It's Good, uh, the podcast that's working on a porn version mm. of Dirty Dancing. It's called Really Dirty Dancing, <laughs> the horizontal mambo. Or, or you could have had, I mean, they get worse, really. There's Folk Me Harder, uh, struggled with that. Uh, and I'd tap that if only she had more ballroom. <laughs> I like actually, I actually. Maybe you've missed your your topic. So, you should be a uh, a kind of like porn movie title writer. Yeah, because we've had uh, yeah, because that was that was going to be one of. Well, that's when I try and thrash these out. That's one of my recurring lines. I always begin with that and then think. Uh, it's harder to do than than you think because a lot of them just don't work. Like the the Toy Story one, I was pleased with that. Sex that Toy Story, well. yeah. Sex toy store, exactly. I mean, I tried to put the Goonies and come up with like the Poonies and the Goonies. And it just the work, Goonies. You know? Oh my god, the Goonies, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Goonies truffle shuffle. <laughs> oh god, that's that hideous. I don't know why that is hideous. The Ghoulies, yeah, I didn't even think, yeah, but no, it's hard because you can't, you know, like the Godfather, where it doesn't really work. It's, you've got to like be a bit selective yeah. anyway um next so for me i ended up thinking like oh well it's the last episode so a lot of them were tied to famous endings um 
Yeah. Uh, hello and welcome to So Bad It's Good, uh, the podcast that uh, ends up calling off the wedding, uh, running out with a bride and jumping on the nearby bus. <laughs> Which is, of Which, course, yeah. the graduate. Yeah, graduate, yeah. the graduate. So before we get on to the awards and start reading out our nominees, we're going to take a little look back at our first season. Uh, this is always a pet project, something that we uh, grew in understanding and capabilities over over the time and and a spill of a spillover of of like the years watching bad movies, hungover, um, you know, watching uh, Swayze and and Kurt Russell uh, in their in their respective films. Um, before Ash had to uh, leave our home and clamber on the train back to uh, Liverpool. So I guess like this is a kind of look back over the, over the season and, and I'm keen to kind of know, Ash, what's your favourite mo- moment then? See, okay, so it's probably the famous uh, favourite moment that people might get the chance or be fortunate enough to glimpse is definitely the moments where we fluff our lines or we have because we have we do that sort of thing that I guess the likes of uh, like Larry David does on Curb Your Enthusiasm we have like a two or three page little uh, storyline script-ish thing to follow mm-hmm. um, and we keep to it in bits and veer from it or others but you'd think that even the times where the words are written on the page <laughs> <laughs> It would be easy to follow. Oh, it's given me a great respect for the, you know, those, um, what do they call, what do the news readers have? Uh, t- teleprompter, that's it. And you think, oh, how easy, come on, like the words are scrolling at a fair, you know, slow pace in front of it. How can you mess it up? But uh, I think I've got quite a lot of sympathy for them doing this. So, yeah, there was there was a moment uh, a few episodes ago. The sci-fi, the sci-fi episode, episodes, yeah. Uh, please, please go and uh, have a little listen. The moment where Max, uh, we'd done a segment, paused, little break, ready to move on. So silence, and then we're ready to go, and Max just says, but before we, uh, which was just the line that he'd done like two minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, I, I just like completely lost my place on the script, and I just started earlier, and I, like, I, I don't know why it was so funny, but I just found myself like unable continue God. and both of us I just broke so hard. um and yeah i know i i absolutely those moments have been hilarious just of kind of like the uh mm. the thing. i think i think for me one of my favorite moments um in this last season has to be uh your at least very early on, I don't know if you remember it, but it was, I think it was in episode two or something, and um, you're kind of coming up with one of your casting couch ideas, and I think it was the first one that you did, because I did Disasters, and then you did, you did, um, you uh, did Action, yeah. and you were coming up with it, and at first you could tell like, you were throwing out ideas, and they weren't coming, it's the same with me, like the ideas are kind of out there, they're intangible, and then suddenly mm. your brain makes a connection, based on your movie knowledge and how like these movies usually go that you suddenly like it pulls together in like a really solid narrative and you suddenly I remember you leaned really close to the camera you like speed waving your, <laughs> your pen at me and you were like unbeknownst or maybe benounced and I just I just thought, I just I just couldn't contain myself at that point I thought yeah, that was absolutely you hilarious did find so, like, that amusing yeah unbeknownst or maybe benounced um yeah um, just, I think also just because of your your sudden, it suddenly clicked in your head about where all the story was going, and that was just brilliant. That is, yeah, that's a good point actually. That that could be the stuff that does actually make it on. Uh, yeah, that that could be some of my favourites mm. as well, especially in the casting couch because uh, the other stuff. Obviously, we go away, we watch the films, we uh, we remember the scenes that jump out to us, and basically, you know minimal effort of trying to relay what we laughed at initially mm. uh whereas the casting couch is a lot more just like there's an idea just run with it and it's a bit more free yeah. form um and i think that's edited down because we, we do chat on and come up with all sorts of stuff but just when the little thing clicks in a casting couch like when we were looking for like uh it was silent night deadly night three yeah. uh, billy's revenge uh, and there was so that's I think my favourite casting couch, 
because there were so many moments in that. Not only, to be fair, did the story make you know relative sense compared to the the original two, uh, and it wasn't too outlandish. But the moment there were so many moments in that that just really clicked, like Shake and Stevens being on like the float and also doing the soundtrack and the um stormy daniels being the, there were so many moments in that just just layered up very very quickly um that is one of my favorite moments and that, that again that was early on horror episode. that's actually yeah no and i think that's an interesting one i know this is a question we have like a list of questions that we thought of like answering mm-hmm. because we wanted to ask ourselves them and yeah like if that's uh that viewers Asked us uh, to answer. Yeah. I think you're fine. Yes, all five of them. There, thank you. Viewers sent these in. <laughs> yeah, they they were so keen to know about what goes on behind <laughs> the, the incredibly refined uh, like visage <laughs> at the front of this. Um, uh, no, I mean like uh, my favourite casting couch. I think I'm torn between either Gut Punch Six, The Highway. Oh yeah. Or the Highway. Or the, yeah. Um, or the one we did with Rain. Uh, the virus four. Oh, deadly virus four. Yeah. Um, the something installed. The deadly, deadly. No, it's virus four, deadly installment. That's it. And um, the yeah. deadly installment. Yeah, I, I, uh, I really, I like. I think, I think, gut punch six. I think ticked a lot of the boxes of what we were trying to do with a horror movie. And I think when we had decided to like put Grace Jones in to mm. sing Slave to the Rhythm and, and that whole element of it, I thought was brilliant. <laughs> and the Civil the War Civil, element. Steve Buscemi. And then the I think Civil we wasn't, War wasn't horror. Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil was in there. And like, I just thought it was, yeah, I, yeah, I, think, yeah, yeah. I think weird. And I, because it had been like the sixth iteration, we created this whole backstory of all these other movies. It was mm. great. It was so much and fun. And Cindy Lauper um, had her own version of Graceland. Yeah, great. And, and then with, with Virus 4, I think, uh, I think, Although now I'm speaking about it, I think Heron Man also, I found myself incredibly tickled by. <laughs> the most uh, eccentric of all that happened in... Uh, I remember you you had the uh, fortune of plucking that yeah. one out that time as well. <laughs> I remember you just going, because what we do, you know, we pull them out of our thing. And sometimes we'll just read out, other times we'll flash it in, for, uh, in front of the webcam. And I remember you just pulling it out and just going, oh, no. <laughs> and just this. I'm thinking, well, what could it be? Like, I mean, because we, we come up with some horrendous things, which we, we put on Twitter sometimes, as uh, the, the stuff that we work with. I think, what was it? And you just went, Heron Man. <laughs> That was mental because how that story evolved as well. Like you had the guy who was yeah, turning yeah, yeah. New York into a giant turntable and trying to rotate it. And yeah, it was, the Hudson became his photography development yeah, fluid. Yeah. I thought it was. I mean, it was. It was yeah. great. It was great. So yeah, I think. I think we've had a lot of good casting. I think for me also, yeah, like throwing in some second-rate celebrities uh, in it oh, has, yeah. been, has been hilarious. Okay, um, another question that we've been sent in from. Uh, viewers this one this one's from the philippines uh tamara asks what's the best drink we've or we think we've ever given out on the show because obviously we do our little mini bar drinking game um to to rifle through our cliches so what's what's the best drink well i think we have to have a special shout out to the brandy that <laughs> to the brand yeah that was going to be my yeah um that quickly became an in joke out of no out yeah. of dinner yeah no it literally just came out of nowhere um but i also like one that rain suggested what was it like the irish car bomb because that sounded nice oh what God, was that that yeah. was like guinness and <laughs> yeah that's the most intriguing drink we've ever yeah. had on i would i, well, I mean i want to try uh, it this weekend that's the one where i've just never heard of yeah it. we should try it when you come around um mm. i've got one from um david <laughs> in chooksbury <laughs> uh very very good question have we got a second series oh that that is a <laughs> smell my cheese your mother <laughs> um yeah well we've talked about this haven't we mm-hmm. um yeah, we, we think yeah okay there's the possibility of doing this because one of the things that that goes into the prep of this is obviously picking the genres each week mm. um 
and we've we had like a fair plan for like the first five or six. Uh, we've got all the big hitters like your sci-fi's and your horrors and your action movies and things like that. And then we sort of got towards the end, got a bit. You know, we weren't quite sure. We, we were thinking of maybe doing crime, but we ended up going with like documentaries. We, we threw Netflix in there because it, it's it's like a bit of like a game-changing thing. Uh, so there, there's plenty. Although in other words, there's plenty of room for spillover. Uh, we still got crime, musicals, drama, you know, stuff like that. So we could do. Um, yeah. Although Max also has really interesting ideas for something else we could do as well, a bit more yeah. of a, a different format. Yeah, I think I think it's this is whole this has all been a learning progress. I mean, like you know, for people who have stuck with us and heard all our nonsense, like you know, I mean, sure you've seen from the first episode to where we are now, where we kind of had like stupidly long episodes and I think well you know we still have quite quite lengthy episodes but we used to have so much stuff and I had to like I was learning how to edit audio and our formats were quite lengthy and yeah I think we realized we stripped it down we've tailored tweet and you know not only on our skill set you know with editing and stuff like that but also you know we've been building our stuff on social and all those things so I, I think we we definitely it's been a learning course for us and i think there are things that we want to continue if we wanted to come back we want to bring on a new thing um yeah and i think also like there's a lot of scope of us like going a bit more in depth with a certain movie i think one of the challenges with podcast format is you're not going to see the movie while we watch it and and like we can replay the scene that we're trying to explain to you but there is something quite special about like looking at a script and looking at the, the actual dialogue and knowing that this is a trash movie and kind of us analysing it from that way. So, I mean, that, that's something that we're kind of looking into. But um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 an exciting kind of period. I think definitely after season mm. one, you know, the whole point of this season was us coming together despite lockdown. And now that lockdown is kind of being lifted, it's quite interesting to kind of think like, well, if we do move forward, it's going to be in a different dynamic, in a different format, um, you know, and, and achieving different things, I guess. But I would definitely be up for it. Um, and I hope Ash is the same. Yeah, definitely. Okay, this question from uh, Mr. Partridge in uh, <laughs> in Norfolk um, yeah. is, what's the greatest bad film you've yet to see? Oh, for me, it's a really easy answer. Um, Battlefield Earth. I did, yeah. We've got that on DVD. It's going to be what we're going to watch this weekend. Um, like, yeah. I like, without question, I think that's the one that everyone talks about, everyone mm. knows about. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I would, I would agree. I think that's, it's on like all the popular lists. It's got enough, um, it's got Travolta in it, who's a yeah. bit of a, a bit of an S big icon along with the sways and so forth uh so that it's got that going for it and it just looks yeah the whole Scientology uh nonsense it comes with oh, God, I, I yeah. think that could be the mother load so I, I really look forward to watching that this ties to the question I have from Domingo in Little Oakley um <laughs> which is like you know what makes uh what makes a, a uh, why do you like bad movies and what makes a bad movie is that mm. it's always it's it's that special mix it's like it doesn't it's not something that you can always identify and sometimes genuinely good movies are one of these movies where you can rip into we did it with con air for example yeah um but for me it was something that like yeah i'm i think it's not just like we could have done like when we did these we could have done a bunch of 80s b movies oh and yeah. that might be something that we do in the future but part of those are there's a charm about their badness i think like the things about Roadhouse and Escape from LA, they take themselves so seriously. Yeah. They think that they're so good. And they think they're, uh, you know, they're making this high art type, or not even high art, but like a quality version of that movie. That when that isn't the case, it's that's what's funny because you start unpicking it and start pulling it apart and start recognizing all its faults. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like that's, I think that's the reason is that, you know, there's, it's not as easy to find these movies as, a, as, as it might appear. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I was reading, and it was in no way connected to this or research. It was pure by chance reading this uh, American, I think he's, he writes about a lot of things, uh, but he's a film critic as well called Joe Keenan, Queenan. Mm-hmm. And it was a piece in The Guardian that all about what makes a bad film. It's about 10 years ago, but you can still get it online. And he gives like a list. There's about seven different 
things like a checklist that he has but the three that i remember thinking yeah that's about it is that one it's got to be taking itself seriously you can't set out to just do like a stupid uh film or make it deliberately stilted and awful like you've got to you know like all of our directors i guess probably thought that they were onto something yeah. maybe not a masterpiece but at least something that was people go and watch and enjoy uh, at the least secondly it has to be um it can't be some it has to have like some sort of mainstream release if you know what i mean like it can't just be otherwise the worst film ever would be some you know like uh kung fu elliot's films yeah they they yeah, killed true. my cat and bluffer they yeah no doubt if you watch them and then compared it to Battlefit, like that would be the worst thing you'd ever seen. But mm. of course it is because it was filmed on like a digital camera and, and yeah. about 10 people have seen it in, in existence. So you can't just have that. Otherwise there'd be, you know, me and you could shoot something in the back garden and it'd be the worst thing, that, you know. So it has to be of some sort of mainstream uh, release. And oh, the third one, like it has to be fairly well known as well. That was quite an interesting one. I thought, like, it can't just be like, I mean, there's loads that, like, that samurai cop gets a, a really crappy write up. Uh, loads of 80s stuff, like Max was talking about, uh, the stuff, even, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so the, the last category of this Joe Queen and Guy was that it has to be, that's to be some sort of shared reference, if you know what I mean. So everyone probably, give or take, has heard of like the bomb that was Showgirls, and you can you mm. can reference it, and you can have because he says a big part of trashy films, which I guess this whole podcast is about, is that there's that infectious element, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like you see a bad thing, and you have to run to a mate, a best mate, or a uh, your mum and dad, or whoever. You have to go and tell them. It's like yeah, oh, stop what you're doing, and. and get on this so there has to be that element there therefore like a little obscure tiny little b movie again just doesn't cut it so i thought those were quite interesting fairly sound rules for a bad film i think yeah i'd agree uh speaking of mr wiseo wizzo wizzo uh this is a question from donna in she didn't give her a location she just wrote N-A for location. Which we can assume that she just is outside of our reality and therefore is not existing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just floating uh, around in a white space. Do uh, an episode on, <laughs> yeah, through the, through the, whatever that realm where like Galaxy Quest is filmed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Donna's question from, you know, intergalactic space, whatever, was why didn't we do an episode on the room? Quite... Quite a big question. It is. And we spoke about this a lot. And I think like the room was one of those because I, I was thinking about this because um so I think it must have been 2014 that we met up in London and we all watched the room. It was the first time we met we met Rain and Toby. Well, you met Rain and Toby. Yeah, yeah, it was. So like um we we did this whole thing and we watched it and we watched the room and that was like a big thing. I think you know, while we've been watching bad movies, that was probably the first time we did it as a gathering and as like a real event um, as such. And it's, it's, I think it's just so known. I think that's what we ended up coming down to when we were doing this podcast was that it was just so known as a bad movie that the stuff that we liked picking out of these movies that we're talking about, the stuff that we'd like analyse and critique and stuff are not necessarily the things that you'd recognise on the first viewing or even the second viewing. Of these movies but the room is so done that we just thought what are we going to add to that conversation yeah um, yeah i think that's it that isn't already been out even like everyone's critiqued it to such a degree that everyone knows about the weird pulsing vein on like lisa's neck when she's speaking and mm. stuff like that like that's how overviewed it is and i i mean i absolutely love the room i think we're going to watch it this weekend like i i it's think it's hilarious and it is the the orson wells of bad movies um still one of my favorite things to watch mm. and have a drinking game but um uh, yeah i just don't think it's i just don't didn't think that we would be able to do it justice because it's already been done so well yeah i yeah i think that's it i think it's so big um 
that it's one yeah um it's got that like so absurd that what what can you say about it thing Mm. whereas um see that that sort of argument always annoys me about like satire and 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 trump and stuff you know when people Mm. like comedians in america go oh trump's such like a a hideous sort of like caricature thing that we can't make like he's too absurd to make jokes about what he thought was bullshit but applied to this I think it, it's mm. true because what would we do in the space of like 50 minutes, you know, technically speaking in the space of 45, 50 minutes that we'd spend on the room, what would we do except say this happened, then he says this, then she says that, then he says this, like we'd just be telling the story. Yeah. So it's, you know, it and, not in a way, a... and not in a way that allows someone to watch it and view it any differently. I think when we did that in yeah. our earlier episodes, while we we're still finding our feet, like we were telling the story in a way that was actually like, you might go and watch like Escape from LA and just kind of like unplug from it and not really realize how absurd the movie is. But then, hopefully, with our kind of critique of it, you see that actually, when watching it, this is absolutely an insane movie. Um, but mm. yeah, with the room, it's already insane. It's like there is nothing more to say about how yeah. you know, I and I, I absolutely love it. I think, it's, I think it's hilariously brilliant. Um, you know, I actually introduced my mum to the disaster <laughs> artist, the movie. Oh yeah, did she like um, it? Yeah, she loved it actually. She really loved. Uh, she loved it actually. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 iconic, and I think we couldn't. Yeah, but I think at the same time, Agreed. there's only so much you could say about it um, that hasn't already been said. So. Yeah. And now for the golden envelopes. We're going to alternate the awards between the movies we've put under the microscope and the ones that we've made up. Yeah, we've got nominations. Uh, they were still sort of undecided about the winners as we run through and revisit all of these different cinema violations. Uh, we'll probably just haggle over who should take home the award. So, mm-hmm. drum roll, please. The. Oh, yeah, good. The old two fingers on the, uh, yeah. the desk. Yeah. God. When the teacher was announcing who won, like, an award or something, yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, uh, okay, so the nominations for Best Actor are Patrick Swayze as Dalton in Roadhouse, mm-hmm. Kurt Russell as Snake Plissken in Escape from L.A., Nicolas Cage as Caster Troy in Connor and John Travolta as Tony Monero in Staying Alive. Well, you've already mucked up there. You did a you did a kind of Oscar Oscar fluff right there. It's uh, he's not Castor Troy and Connor, he's Poe Cameron. Oh bollocks, he is Poe Cameron as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, the winner is oh La La Land. <laughs> um. I am going to say, I'm going to make my my winner for me this season has to be Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. Agreed. Yeah, I think uh, Kurt Russell is definitely close second for me, but I think I think Patrick Swayze just has everything in that movie. His philosophy degree. Um, <laughs> yeah. The fact he carries that all of that information around with his him. His medical records, yeah. His medical Saves records. Saves time. <laughs> Saves time. Does it? Because okay, it's like it saves time in the sense that you can just hand them over to a doctor. But does it really save time? You having to like hunt them down every morning before you leave the house. <laughs> Shit, where's my oh, keys, wallet, keys. Bones, medical? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah. I just think also like um, he, he becomes yeah. the best actor because of the support around him, and I think that's on a serious note that's why best actors work generally is because they have the support of their cast around them that like allows them to, to look good like you know um heath ledger's joko it's only as good because christian christopher uh, christian bale is really mm. good as batman and stuff like that yeah i'll do uh, i'll do this one so this is our best actor but for the casting count um a bit more of a longer list of nominees here uh, and hopefully it'll give you a nice bit of nostalgia on the the movies that we've created the nominees for Best Actor are Kelly Rowland in Submerge, Dara O'Brien in Virus 4, Ross Kemp from The Quartz Protocol, Britney Spears in Gut Punch 6, 
Stormy Daniels in Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 3. Derek Akora in Return to Grey Gardens. David Blaine in Heron Man. Denny from The Rune in Quantum Overflux. And uh, Ashley McGovern uh, <laughs> from Know Me, Knowing You. Yeah. I've Well, I, I know who... Best actor, I, I know what I've gone for. Well, who have you gone for? Well, what was weird as well as listening to that list, especially Ross Kemp from the Quartz Protocol, I genuinely was sitting here going, oh yeah, I forgot he was in there. <laughs> as though it was like, <laughs> as though it was like when you forget. Was Harvey Keitel in uh, in Reservoir Dogs? Oh my God, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, I, oh, yeah, I forgot Ross Kemp was in court. Photo. I forgot he was in that. <laughs> yeah, honestly, went because uh, Kelly Rowling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> David Blaine, of course, because uh, I wrote and directed Heron Man. I remember that. But well, yeah, Ross Kemp. I think oh shit, what's in that? Um, I've gone well. My my choice was Denny in Quantum Overflux. Oh wow! Purely because I think uh, partly a sympathy vote. Because mm. I think he's the the most probably shit on of all the nominees because he's been tainted with this you know mm. horrific uh, role in the room and you know killed him off basically his career so th- there was a sympathy there but I think yeah what that role demanded basically a, a mini Luke Skywalker type role mm. uh, would have been a real push for him and a real yeah. stretch so yeah he gets my he gets my nomination. Uh, okay, and now the award for best screenplay. Uh, our nominees are Roadhouse. Uh, I, I, I like the fact we haven't actually bothered to research who wrote them. We've just put <laughs> the film. Uh, we we put Roadhouse, Staying Alive, Kung Fu Elliot, and Batman and Robin. And I think there is a winner here. Okay. What do you think? No, no, I want, I want you to go on this one. I've, I've, if you're so I mean, certain, it's been panned left, right, and centre, but it's enjoyable nonetheless. It's Batman and Robin. Best screenplay. The yeah, I think, I think absolutely right. Yeah. and like, you know, even I mean, everyone remembers the let's kick some ice, and everyone remembers the ice stuff. Uh, but even when, like I say, we're, we're, we're the compliment poison ivy on having nice buds. Yeah, um, yeah. Even down to that level, I think, yeah. Mm. Oxbridge Academy, even. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think I think I was torn between Batman and Robin and Staying Alive, because I just think Staying Alive has some <laughs> yes. brilliant narrative decisions made in it. But I feel like it deserves, I think I think it's, it's not really the screenplay that wins in Staying Alive. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Cool. We're agreed. Uh, best screenplay for uh, our casting cap. Uh, we've got uh, Submerged, Quartz Protocol, Gut Punch Six, Heron Man, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Three, Return to Grey Gardens, Virus Four, Quantum Overflux, and Know Me, Knowing You. Um, for me, there's one that stands out. Head and shoulders, by the way. Which for me, it's Heron Man. That, Ooh, that should win. Interesting. That should win the best screenplay. I think we had like a whole arc going on with him being like a, a homeless person. Yeah. And him liking the woman, the developer who was trying to do Central Park, and then him turning back to his co- his like metal statue and pinning um, the the villain to the ground while the place blew up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Central Central Park blows up in uh, yeah. good point, uh, in I Heron can't Man, remember yeah. who played who played the villain in Heron Man. Oh, it was the brother from the, from uh, Wedding Crashers. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he's the villain, and the developer played by I think it was Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren is, was his mother. Yeah, his yeah. mother, who you would think, oh well, didn't she turn out to be like the true villain if you if, if you know what well I mean? she like, ends up like avenging her son avenging it yeah 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 yeah, that's yeah. It. yeah yeah you had some good set pieces there i think mm. um the, what was it the quarry chase thing? yeah had the quarry speak. chase they go to a quarry where there's just a literal to scale <laughs> manhattan in a Isn't quarry that Synecdoche, yeah, new york uh yeah, a heavy influence there yeah um, yeah, Heron Man was good. I, I was. I also selected either Heron Man 
Oh, good punch six. Yeah, I, I liked... I was really Partially because, you know, you've got five, five other films under your belt. You've seen all of the narrative cliches pulled out already. Mm. Uh, you know, Cindy Lauper was in, like, numbers <laughs> one and four. <laughs> <laughs> you've seen... You know, a classic slasher, 80s slasher, by, by the time you get to the fifth and sixth, usually you're on your arse. But this proved, like Friday the 13th, part six, my favourite in the series, proved that, that even though it's late on, there's no excuse. You can still pull out an absolute belter. Um, and I think you've got this weird Civil War ghost train track story there. You've got that great set piece at the end where they phone the head of National Rail. There was the whistle in the throat scene that we <laughs> yeah. did, and that was really good. I liked that. I thought that was quite an uninspired uh Yeah, that scene, was that. great. Um, uh, yeah, just really, uh, there was a, like a big music festival going on as well, which could have been interesting. Was Britney Spears in that? So Britney Spears was going to that. And I think what I also liked about it was that she so it wasn't just like that was the last movie it's like you had it set up so that actually the killer was uncle phil but then at the end you've got steve buscemi as the ticket man on the national rail train leaving yeah yeah the town so like you've got that indication there could be a gut punch seven eight and nine even great yeah um and the next award on offer is best soundtrack I think this is, I've got a clear winner before I even, I may as well just announce the, the winner, but I'll go through. Best soundtrack, because um, it's something that we have touched on a bit, um, especially, okay, I'll, I'll go through. Uh, and the nominations are, How Do I Breathe Without You? <laughs> can I just, can I check, fact check this? Because you've put How Do I Breathe Without You? From Connor, I'm pretty, which I'm pretty I'm, sure it's how do I live. I'm sure that she's saying, okay, how do I breathe? No, it's, it's, oh no, it's, how do I, it's, yeah, it's as Leanne Rhymes. It's called How Do I Live, the song. <laughs> the Thought second it was. <laughs> how do I breathe without you? I want to know. <laughs> I need my inhaler. Oh, brilliant. Uh, so it's, yeah, How Do I Live Without You from Conair, uh, Leanne Rhymes. Mm-hmm. Blood Fight from Kong Fu Elliot, composed by Blake, not Blake, he was the other one. Blaine. Blake. He was the... Blake's Wicker was the uh, the guy who did Hamlet yeah. and was washed <laughs> like a dog in the backyard. <laughs> and the uh, other one. Oh my god, what was it? He, that the, one he gets kicked, the one who gets kicked in the face by Elliot, like in the first 15 minutes of the movie. Oh yeah, and he's made up at having oh did I yeah. kick you? Did I do I did I actually land a kick? Um Blood fight! It's the blood fight. <laughs> one thing which we didn't mention it, one thing we didn't mention in that movie, which I feel was worth mentioning, is that like he reads this song and literally like the, the rhyme skin is like everything that rhymes with fight and blood fight it's like everything is just like that he repeats that fight and blood fight repeatedly through the song and then like he's like i think this song is really good um it has a lot of messages in it um it's it's key messages <laughs> to fight it's <laughs> just, <I> just... <laughs> yeah yeah uh oh also in the run in the nominations are we've got far from over frank stallone uh, genuinely composed by him. Thanks, Delane. And <laughs> the bar music from <laughs> from Roadhouse. <laughs> Max didn't even bother to look up because <laughs> he's. It's not just like it's not just oh that band from from dusk till dawn. It's from. <laughs> I was thinking more like generic, right, like so all the way through. The general, See, there's okay. even at the beginning there's uh, bar music that's not uh, by him. Uh, I've uh, I've got my my choice on this one. It's far from over, Frank Stallone. Yes, yeah, that's the one. I, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a that's stellar one I tune. <laughs> it's, no, I'm being serious now. <laughs> the other day when we were filming, uh, uh, the other week, I think it was the last one when we do a Netflix. 
and throughout the day i had just been listening to uh yeah. far from over same so dun 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 <laughs> it's got that like piano thing and then uh, it's it's this is the end <laughs> I am far from over. Oh, <laughs> it's a oh. good song. And oh. I think the fact that Frank Stallone wipes the floor with the Bee Gees as well. I know, I know. Like, not a single Bee Gees song. I mean, yeah, it's not the Bee Gees on their best day, but no. it somehow loses out to Frank Stallone. So, uh, so we've got uh, best soundtrack for the casting couch now. Mm-hmm. Um... Seal's R&B disaster track from Submerged. Um, Seal, if you recall, starred and also provided the soundtrack to that movie. Uh, Grace, you put Grace Jones haunting scout soundscape from Cut Punch Six, but actually it was uh, Britney Spears's rendition of Slave to the Rhythm <laughs> from Cut yeah, Punch Six, right. yeah, if you right. recall. And finally, Shaken Stevens Christmas covers from Silent Night, Deadly Night Three. Um, for me, the winner has to be. Britney Spears from Gut Punch Six. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's without question. Makes sense. Perfect hit. Was really good tune. That is, yeah, Slave to the Rhythm. It is a really good tune. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, the next award is Strangest Movie Quote. Uh, so we... Can you got... do the Can you do the actual impersonations? Uh, <laughs> As we go. Uh, yeah, okay. Um... There's one, okay, yeah, so uh, the nominees are Welcome to the Human Race, uh, of course, from Escape from LA. We've got, I'm not going to say the full thing on this one. I'll do the first four letters. A, B, C, D, from <laughs> Vampires. You can fill in the rest. You, sound, you sounded like a wise guy from Goodfellas. Tony. <laughs> <laughs> It's, what's that guy who says everything twice? Tony two times or something? <laughs> yeah. yeah cause... Get the papers, get the papers. <laughs> He's funny, yeah. A, B, C, D, E, at which point Nicholas Cage said line. Um, I own, oh, the I own the laundromat speech <laughs> from Roadhouse. Remind me of where that comes again. So that's when... Obviously, it's uh, Ben Wesley. Yeah, Ben Wesley. So, like, he goes in um, and he's trying to, like, impress Dalton or something. He's just like, I came to this town with, not, like, you know, <laughs> this town was nothing before me. He's just like, I own the 7-Eleven. Oh, I yeah. own the laundromat. JC Penny is coming here because of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He goes, Dalton goes around and he's having breakfast, isn't he? Yeah. And, um, yeah, he's, having, he's at the breakfast table having his sort of eggs, Benedict or whatever shit he's having and yeah i i own the bowling alley i own i own the smoker machine in the local cafe (laughs) i own the fruit machine in the salon um oh and finally of course uh another roadhouse line this time uttered by uh one of wesley's goons what's the guy does he have a name in it i can't remember his name can't remember his name no anyway uh the line is of course I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> uh, uh, brilliant, brilliant, spectacular. I think we know what wins there. It's got to be that one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah, that, that's that's one. <laughs> I just I said this when we did uh, the initial action movie episode. Is that when I first watched it? You introduced me to it. At this point, you genuinely did pause the film and say, "Get ready for this." So. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. Well, it, it, it was, just, just yeah. comes out of nowhere. Yeah, and it's it's just um, yeah, it, it was just mental. Um, our next category is uh, best dance sequence in a movie. Mm-hmm. We've got three people for this. We've got uh, Tony Monero's flying solo from Staying Alive. <laughs> uh, if you recall the scene right at the end in Satan's Alley where he goes off piste and does his own improvised dance act for the last twenty minutes of the show. Um, and they somehow love it. Uh, Cast the Troy's shimmying as a priest in, again, you've written here Con Air, uh, and it's Face Off. Oh my God, I keep on getting that mixed up. So Cast the Troy's shimmying priest uh, from Con Air. 
uh, and then Poison Ivy's entrance mm. in the giant monkey outfit in uh, yeah. Batman and Robin. Uh, for me, it's without question. It's got to be Tony Monero flying solo from Staying Alive. Yeah, easily. Um, the others are quite, I mean, yeah, Castor Troy, that, that, one of the strangest things I've, I've ever seen. Um, Poison Ivy's entrance was quite interesting. Uh, oh, yeah, Joel Schumacher cast Uma Thurman for uh, for that role because he thought at that time, at least in the mid-90s, she was then the most beautiful woman in the world. Well, he obviously hadn't seen a pretty woman. <laughs> Too right. <laughs> She's a saint, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Don't, I will not have a crossword set about Vivian from uh, uh, Pretty Woman, Julia Roberts, 90s Roberts is, as Alan Partridge once said, of mince and onions. Doesn't get better than that. Uh, yes, the penultimate award of, to, uh, of tonight's um, ceremony is the oddest death. So, <laughs> yeah. We've got Pedro, we think that's his name, from Poseidon Adventure. Yeah, yeah. Who is a, a mercil mercilessly kicked off the, uh, so down the elevator shaft. Brutal scene. <laughs> the uh, Dalton's throat rip from Roadhouse, yeah. that is great. Uh, Xander Drax being vaporised in the Phantom. Uh, and yeah, very good. Uh, Nicholas Cage being B double E I N G being burned alive in the Wicker Man. The bees, the bees, the bees. Mm. Again, peak peak cage. So I have gone for Pedro from I was second. Adventure. I was second I Pedro. Think, uh other scenes are great, bordering on iconic, especially the cage stuff. But this again, slightly under the radar because the movie uh, as it, as remakes go, it was so so. But honestly, when you should, I mean, I've only seen this clip pretty much from the whole film. One of the most merciless, heartless, um, unnecessarily unnecessarily grotesque deaths I've ever yeah. seen in a film. It's just the aggression behind it as well that gets kick him <laughs> off, <laughs> kick him off. <laughs> Bradley Cooper. Yeah, the uh, dis discount Bradley Cooper. It's like he's been wanting to kill someone for a while, and this is his opportunity to do it without repercussions. Mm. That's how it kind of comes across in the uh, in the movie. Richard Dreyfus. Dreyfus is really struggling. He's really upset. <laughs> he's crying, uh, kicking these guys off. Uh, and Kurt Russell is in it as well. And we've we've talked about what would Snake Plissken's response to if this had been. Yeah, he would be. He was like, I, I, he'd say something like, he says something like, "Everyone off at floor three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He would. It be. Yeah, he'd be like, uh, oh, must be time for the dessert course. <laughs> or so he he would say something like, he didn't scuff your shoe, did he? Oh, he just got shafted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, brilliant. Um, final award now. Yeah, this is the final award, and we're creeping ever, ever more closer to the death throes of our own series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Max, please. So I guess it's introduce a, the award. Our last lifetime achievement award. Um, mm. So now, like, contribu contribution to the So Bad Good, It's Good movie canon. Oh, I think Nicholas J. Coppola himself has <laughs> to win the, definitely, for services to our entertainment, at least. Yeah, yeah. He's reared his head quite a few times. I think the cave. Uh, he had his whole episode, obviously, on him which isn't quite out yet, but will be. We've had uh, The Wicker Man in our horror episode. Uh, another smattering of references all over the place as well. Uh, yeah, possibly, you know, he's co contributed so much to OTT absurdity that, yeah, give yeah. it to him. 
uh, without a doubt. I think I think it's uh, it's a well deserved award, um, and hopefully he'll continue to deliver with uh, his upcoming role as Joe Exotic. <laughs> yeah. uh, I am looking forward to hearing him do the gold nugget scene. Oh. Uh, can you imagine Nicolas Cage speaking oh about golden nuggets on there? He would actually want oh, someone to rub balls in his nuggets. face as well. He'll like he'll like say that that is like part <laughs> yeah. of his. Yeah, that's a good actually. I'm looking forward to like the making of tales <laughs> that come from. Uh, yeah, they had Tiger actually King. they actually actually hire someone who whose their sole responsibility was rub their balls in Nicolas Cage's face. <laughs> <laughs> And that um, is what happened to me in our Animal House ending. <laughs> <laughs> Max was later responsible for 24-7 ball-rubbing supervision <laughs> on the set of Tiger King. And, to quote Ash, that's a wrap. Season one. What a time it's been. Uh, you know, we've mentioned before that this all started because of lockdown. Uh, Ash and I spent our evenings on Zoom, catching up, talking, probably way too much, uh, and laughing a lot. Uh, now, you probably guessed by the change in audio, hopefully, uh, but we're no longer recording over the internet. No, that's right. Uh, we're in the same room, uh, Max's uh, lovely living room. Properly social distancing, mind you. To that effort, I actually, even on the way here, uh, did a hashtag... SBIG, uh, one of them little PPE masks. Mm. So there's that on sale. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we thought there was no greater ending for all of this uh, for our show than to sign off together. Yeah, and for those of our faithful listeners, the ones that keep showing up in the statistics on Anchor <laughs> and uh, Spotify, uh, we want to say a great big thank you for sticking with us. It's been a huge learning experience, um, and we're just really grateful for you to have stuck with us while we've learned how to do this podcasting thing mm. we know some of you may be wondering well what next and the honest uh, answer to that is we don't know uh, perhaps we'll do another season reboot the show rekindle it or perhaps even let this be our standing testament to the crappiest movies in existence but whatever we do uh, we've loved chatting uh, about the utter dreck of cinema it's low points and it's something we'll carry on doing indefinitely. So thank you for liking something we've posted, cringing at something we said, or just listening to us chat. This has been so bad it's good, and we've loved having you along for the ride. This has been So Bad It's Good, a podcast about two friends finding a way to make lockdown less boring. Thank you all for listening, and we hope we've given you some entertainment during this time. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, we hope you're keeping safe. So, until next time. Thank you for listening.